turned 40 this year i was thinking all day trying to write a damn joke for you knuckleheads <laughs> and you know what i thought i am too old for this shit uh, <laughs> bang bang coming up we discuss one of the one of the best buddy cop franchises ever Movie Tales. I'll have what she's having. Hosted by Mark, Jeff, and Nick. Round up the usual suspect. Three lifelong friends who all dropped out of film school because they all figured out they loved watching movies more than making them. Are you not entertained? Gretchen, stop trying to make fetch happen. These cinephiles review and reveal widely unknown factoids, lore, myths, trivia, and cultural impact of the movie. Mostly funny. I'm your huckleberry. Sometimes serious. I'm gonna make them an awfully gun with you. Definitely interesting insight into the best movies we only thought we knew. He's looking at you, kid. Mark, what are we watching this week? We're going back to 1987. We were... Five, six years old and we were introduced to martin riggs and roger murtaugh and lethal weapon the classic richard donner film and for those of you that need a refresher because you know you've seen it roger murtaugh is an aging family man and sensible and a sensible veteran police officer just trying to make it through the day unscathed martin riggs is a suicidal loose cannon cop who doesn't care if he even lives to see the end of the day reluctantly thrown together to solve the mysterious murder of a banker's daughter. The unlikely duo uncovers a dangerous ring of drug smugglers employing ex-military mercenaries. After a tragic turn of events, the mission becomes personal, and the mismatched investigators must learn to trust one another as they wage a two-man war against a deadly criminal organization. It took two people to write that for us this week, boys. That was the Massey Twins. You know, I don't know oh. if they're identical or not, but the Massey twins from IMDb gave us that beautiful recap. How's everybody doing this week? I'm feeling great. This is a great rewatch. I'm so thrilled that we're actually doing this because I was not excited when we chose it. Really? Well, you're yeah. the one that made the final decision. I know, so and I was kind of like, uh, wow, well, you forced you know. it, and you're glad you did. Okay. Yeah, I was pumped with. I was pumped for it. I was pumped for it too. I, I can I can tell you this too. Like I was so busy, like you, Mark, that I had to watch it at several points of the day to get it finished. Yep. and I was kind of excited about it like I'd have to watch 30 minutes and then take an hour off and then come back and watch another 30 and I was like man I can't wait to figure out what happened even though I've seen this movie 10 times it was yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no 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 I mean, and when was the last time you saw it oh god 20 years oh really but now I want to watch all four so <laughs> I love it I love it yeah. I love it so keep going when was your moment in time I, I know I watched it as a kid uh, probably a year or two after it came out I watched it with my brother we grew up on HBO, so I don't know the exact moment. I know mm -hmm. that's rare for this category, but I remember loving all these movies. And even watching this one, I remember being like, like I said, is this the one where he gets stuck on the toilet? Or which one does Riggs blow out his shoulder? And yeah. you're kind of excited. So when each moment comes, you're like, all right, that's part one. This is part one. You know, and it was, it was good to kind of sort the pieces of, puzzle, of the puzzle back together of all four in your head. It was just totally fun. 
Yeah, so yeah, you're going to enjoy the, the next couple couple of watches of the sequels. Jeff, what about you? When did you see it? You saw it when you yeah, were a kid, like so, all of us, I would imagine. I saw Lethal Weapon 4 in the theaters with my parents when it came out, and okay. I loved it. So then I went back and watched Lethal Weapon 2, because my dad had said that that was the best one. Okay. Uh, loved it. This was the first time I saw the original Lethal Weapon. What? So, uh, my pet... Uh, I'd seen two, three, and four. I just had never seen one. You'd never seen uh, one until this week? Never saw one until this week. Oh my so goodness. So my parents were visiting this week. And it ended up being perfect. And I watched this movie with them. Uh, and my mom either hadn't seen this one or didn't remember it. My dad remembered it. But she freaking loved it. She laughed so many times. I felt, And my dad loved it again as, as well. Uh I felt like a kid again watching the movie on the couch yeah, with my parents. It's kind of awesome. And I was thinking about it. I wanted to tell you guys. I know both of you have fond memories of going to the movies or watching movies with your parents. Uh, this weekend was a good reminder. You're never too old to watch a movie with your parents. Like, no, I agree with Next you. time, if you have a chance, try it again. It's kind of a magical experience, especially if it's a good one. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, you never know when the last time you'll have a chance to watch a movie with your parents will be either. But it's just like it was a good it just, it really, and it brought me back to remembering watching four in the theater with them and then wa- or watching those great, like, buddy cop movies, which my parents were big fans of. So it was a really fun, I guess it was a first watch, not a rewatch, but it felt like a rewatch too because I knew these characters well because I've seen two, I've seen two multiple times. I had just never gotten around to seeing one. Wow. Oh my gosh. I'm, I love that. I, I, I always love it when we're surprised, and I know you guys do too. So. That was a surprise for me, and wow. Yeah, I didn't see it coming. So yeah, either did I. I. And so I don't remember when I first saw Lethal Weapon. It was kind of like Nick, but I know I had to have been around eight or nine because I remember the sequel more vividly than the original, which means I remember watching part two a lot as a kid. I watched part one. I'd seen it a bunch, but I'd seen part two like way too many times, like obsessively amounts. And you have too, because the memories you have are all from part two. So and actually, I think I might have seen parts of part two before I saw four as a kid. Yeah. Uh, but I, I remember going back and watching two and three after having that great experience in the theater for four. So keep going though. Sorry. I, no. So I've just I've ne- I've seen this movie probably ten fifteen times at least, and it never gets old. I I absolutely love a good cop story, buddy cop cop story, anything. I'm just kind of it's it's the genre that I'm into. But <laughs> it's the genre they have been to. It's just, a good they, genre. They just do it well, man. If we made a list, it'd be a long one. So, uh, yeah. And, and I, well, the funny thing is, when you put it on the list, I paired it up with Beverly Hills Cop, hoping that, that Nick would choose one of the two. And he did. And I kind of pigeonholed him with because I knew he wasn't going to choose the third one I put out there. <laughs> what was the third one? Air Force One. Air Force so, One, yeah. And, and so, when you... Um, when you chose this, I laughed because I, my wife and I literally watched this probably three weeks ago. Because it, it was just on. And I, I, anytime I surf through the movie channels and there's a movie on that I love, I'll just put it on and the rest is history. I'll just watch it until it's over. But, uh, and that's, that, was, that happened to be a couple weeks ago. So yeah, it was a great rewatch. It, it, it was, I had to squeeze it in this week, which was fine because I love it. There's so many scenes that I absolutely love, 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 love. 
So let's jump right in. What worked, Jeff? Since you still only the first time. Oh my god, I'm still still amazed. Giving you the. I mean, I've seen I've seen the sequel. I've seen part two probably fifty times. I know, so, but it doesn't like, matter. Part two's for another day, so who cares? We're fair. talking part one. So what worked? The chemistry part one? between Mel Gibson and Danny Glover. Uh, Danny Glover is kind of the straight one, and Gibson as the crazy one. Those two are perfect. Uh, I've actually got a good Richard Donner quote about that for when he when they uh, were doing the casting and he had the two read together. And according to Donner, it said it took about two hours. And by the time we were done, I was in seventh heaven. They found innuendos. They found laughter where I never saw it. They found tears where they didn't exist before. And most importantly, they found a relationship. <clears throat> All in just one reading. So if you ask about the casting of this film, it was magical. Just total dynamite. And he's right. These two are great together. And it's... If you look at it, I mean, obviously I wasn't thinking of casting movies in the 80s. But if you like look, think of like where these two were in kind of the 80s, I don't think you would have necessarily thought to put them together. Like it was it was a very odd couple. And um, 48 Hours kind of did it before kind of the odd couple thing or whatever. But it was still relatively new. It's not kind of like the tried formula that it is today. And I just think they hit lightning in a bottle with those two because they are so damn good. Well, yeah, they went back the, to the well four. I mean, four times. The, so. the and, other and, thing and a TV show spawned from it. TV too. show? Yeah, there's a TV. Not with them, but the same character. There was a TV show that came from it. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing too. that went that I thought was really fun in watching this was I I love action movies before CGI. Because it's so cool to just think of the stuntmen and the real special the effects. The real stunts. And like. I still, I don't care how good CGI gets. When you watch these old movies, you can kind of tell this is real. Even like, it's not, it just, there's it, there's an authenticity to it you can just tell. And I actually think it makes a big difference. The one last thing I would say is this movie's crisp. I, I remember during the pandemic re-watching Bad Boys. And I was a little nervous about this one because I thought Bad Boys, the first one, kind of drug a little bit. This movie never drags. I feel like this movie could be released today. Obviously, there's a little differences here and there. But it's almost made for like... This is a 35-year-old movie that's made at the pace of a modern film. And I think that's pretty cool. What about you, Mark? What worked for you? Murtaugh and Riggs dynamic. That's what I have in all capital letters here. But more importantly, Mel Gibson reminded me how good of an actor he is. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. He definitely outshined... um, and it's nothing against Danny Glover because they really are great together, but Mel Gibson steals every scene he's in. He just commands your attention on the screen, and he's he's a great actor. But this know, is Pete personal Gibson. personal life aside. I know he's had his issues over this... the years, and we don't need to get into that. I just right, want to I talk agree. about Mel Gibson as Martin Riggs, and he plays this character so perfectly, and I cannot imagine anyone else ever playing martin riggs agreed and, and i don't even know whoever anyone else that had the roles i didn't even look into it because i didn't care because i really do feel when i was rewatching it with the con with you know with the lens of of, of our podcast that's one of the that's the biggest thing that stood out to me is mel gibson he's so damn good in this movie we came damn close to him him being in die hard and bruce willis being riggs yeah, and I just Joe so Joel Silver. So it was damn close to that happening, and I'm which is so, so glad in- that didn't happen. Oh no, they're both perfect for their respective roles. I agree. Roles. I agree. I don't and want, they both span. I don't huge want either franchises. one of them to trade. Yeah, and they both like, span huge franchises. 
the other things I have in my notes, I want to give Nick some time to shine here, but I love Gary Busey. <laughs> I love Gary Busey as the bad guy, and I have a pondering about that later. We'll get into it. A little teaser, everybody. Yeah, but Gary I love Busey. the... I also love... I had to put a note in about the classic, over-the-top 80s score. I love it. It totally works in this movie. The music is so just... It's in. It's there. It, it's, it's in present. your face. It's, it's present. Ready. <laughs> it's there, the whole movie. And I don't it's mind, a character. It's swinging. Yeah, yeah. I don't mind. <laughs> I that, agree. I don't mind that saxophone hooting at me. Like I just, I was into it. I, it, it just reminded me of classic eighties. It was just there. It was just, it was great. Memory lane. Nico, what worked? Um, so I'm gonna throw the shade at Die Hard for a minute. I think this is a better movie than Die Hard. I really do. And I also think it's more of a Christmas movie than Die Hard too. Okay, I think so I have, have a pondering. I have a pondering about that. We'll get into. <laughs> I have a pondering about that, that too. That so, was okay. my pondering was, is this a Christmas movie? But hold on, so, so I had I had that in my nose. If Die Hard is a Christmas movie, can't we put Lethal Weapon there too? But how come this has never been discussed? Like The I great debate is Die sense. Hard is a Christmas movie. That's kind of what pisses me off. That's the I great was thinking debate. the same thing. And this is way more a Christmas movie than I, well, I don't need question, to go. I don't need to go toe for toe if it's was, way more. But I, both I, I, produ- I both films are produced. Both films are produced by Joel Silver. What the fuck's going on with Joel Silver in the 80s and Christmas? (laughs) Christmas sells. Everybody likes Christmas. It's an easy money grab. Let's just theme it around Christmas. Is that just what he says? Just like, set it in Christmas. (laughs) Okay, so you say it's more of a Christmas movie. And I, okay, there's one scene that I think, I think you're right, Nico. And this is why we, this is why, this is why we do what we do. I think you're right because of the end scene where Murtaugh comes out of his front door and tells Riggs that he's got to eat his wife's shitty food with him. Because that is Christmas, man. That's the spirit of Christmas. Well, don't forget, don't forget it, the, the note mentioned on the Christmas tree. Yeah, no, I know. Or even driving through the Christmas tree. I know we got okay. the note. But, it, but it, we got the opening scene at the Christmas tree farm, too. Let's not forget about that, where we're introduced to how much of a badass Martin Riggs is. But great. all that being said, that really is the spirit of Christmas, that end scene. And there's not a scene in Die Hard. I am Mr. Die Hard, as you both know. So I, we mm-hmm. don't need to get into why this is so much better than Die Hard. That's for another day, Nico, you jerk. But I'm glad you like it more. And he is wrong. I agree, Jeff. But it's, it's, they're kind of different. This, but Die Hard's not a buddy cop movie. True. Now, um, but you're absolute. oh, you're so right. It is a Christmas movie, Lethal Weapon, though. It is such a Christmas movie. And, and it's it is funny, more it of a Christmas on movie TV, than Die like, Hard. Die Hard always was. It, like, it's funny it got missed. So I, so here's my question. Here's my follow-up to that. Is Lethal Weapon not as popular as it should be? I think so. I was thinking that too. Absolutely. I think it just kind of got forgotten. Mainly I think because so there's well, so I many. I think the sequel was... I think part two was so good. I mean, they're both really good. But I think part two was so good. And for whatever reason, part two got all that play. Because I did see parts of part two on cable before I saw four. Now I'm remembering now. Thinking back to being a kid. But like, I think part two was so iconic that it got all the play. And I think this is why we think of Die Hard as a Christmas movie and not Lethal Weapon. Because Die Hard 1 gets all of the play on cable, not Die Harder. Whereas Lethal Weapon 2 gets all the play. Uh... I, I, I'd even, I might even argue this might be better than Die Harder. Than Di, Di, I don't really like Die Hard 2 that much. No, it's, Die Hard 2 is the weakest of like, the bunch. Terrible. It is. It like is Lethal Weapon Denver. 1 might be better than, is what I'm saying. So it's funny that it doesn't. Oh, yeah, yeah. But, but Die Hard 3 it is just didn't. Die Hard 3 is amazing. But it, yeah. it just doesn't get the play around Christmas time that Die Hard does. And that's, 
I mean, I'm really worried about like old movies coming up. And I've said this a billion times because the fact that nobody, that there, people don't have cable anymore and you just go find what you want to watch. These movies that became iconic, the Shawshanks, the Lethal Weapon 2s, the Die Hards that were played over and over again on Turner Classic. Like, new generations aren't going to have that anymore. I don't know how people are going to discover some of these older films. It, yeah. it worries me. I mean, it does. People don't even want to go to the movie theater anymore, Jeff. Like, they... <laughs> You know how many conversations I've started at, like, in, like, at a party or at, like, a networking event even? Just randomly around a movie? And that's like how I build rapport with somebody. Like, man, I don't know what where I'd be without. I don't know where I'd be without like quoting these damn movies a hundred times. Keep we're yeah. way off track. I don't even know where so, we were. Yeah, yeah. So more of what <laughs> Go we ahead, were, I really thought this. I don't know where Mel Gibson was before this. I really thought this was his movie, and he really outshined everybody. I think this made him a sex symbol too, right? Like for a while in the '80s, he was a sex symbol, and I, I just think he. This is peak Gibson because it comes right on the heels of. Were all three Mad Maxes just right before this, Mark? Well, I know Road Warrior, which was, you know, Road Warrior blew up. That was huge. And that was the second Mad Max. Um, that was before. So the first two were, I don't know about the third, Thunderdome. I'm not sure. I've but anyway, I mean, anyway, the fact that Mad Max, this comes right off the heel of Mad Max. I think Gibson might have been one of the biggest stars in Hollywood at the time. I know. I, I, th I think this was great drama, too. I think that the way... They even started it out with a naked woman doing cocaine and pills and jumping off. It was just a great grab. And and how it unfolded from there. And how they were guessing and they kept guessing right. And they thought their opinions and their guesses could be thin. I thought it was it was unveiled very perfectly. Like you said, it was a tight two-hour movie. I had no complaints with, with the length of this. Like you said, it held up so well. and It, it really did. It really did. I was... I was worried, especially since the sequel being more like famous. So I was actually worried about that quite a bit, that it might have been a little slow, a little clunky. So all Amazing three Mad Maxes, sorry, all three Mad Maxes, you guys, uh, came before Lethal Weapon. And then Lethal so, Weapon is what took over, for sure. So I can dig Pete what Gibson. you're putting. But you guys remember Bird on a Wire and Air America? Yeah. Those were good movies. I do movies. remember that movie. Those were, oh, those, those were right around the same time, weren't they? Air America was with him and Robert Downey Jr. That was a good movie. And He's Bird on a Wire. Run. He's on a little 80s run there, isn't Bird he? On a, these yeah, films? Bird on a Wire was the one with him and Goldie Hawn. But then, guys, he, let's not forget what he did. He In the 90s, he had Man Without a Face, Maverick, Braveheart. Man Without a Face. <laughs> Ransom. Ran he directed Ransom. it. Ransom. I love Ransom. That was his Ransom. first movie directed. That's why I gave Ransom's not a bad movie. Ransom, he did. Ransom, Ransom, great. Great. No, Ransom, Ransom is Ron Howard. That's a great movie. I yeah. love that. No, yeah, I, I gotta rewatch that, too. And Braveheart. Payback. Payback's Let's great. not forget Braveheart. Yeah, Braveheart. He did everything. Else. So I'm just, Mel Gibson had a great 80s and a great 90s. Really, and, good little trunk twenty year run. And then he made a ton of money off the passion, which was <laughs> yeah. when was that? Like two thousand four. Yeah, early two thousand, right? That was the start of the. It was also the start of the fall, or the yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the area we don't want to talk about. We're all praising <laughs> the weapon tonight. Uh, I mean, Apocalypto right. he directed was also fantastic. I mean, Mel Gibson's also had a great directing career too. He, yeah, oh, he really yeah, has. for sure. I agree. Yeah. Apocalypto Absolutely. was great. So and man, favorite. So, Favorite Are we scene. ready for favorite scenes? I, we, I, got, I, got, I got a little oh. something for you guys. A little treat going oh, off. I like it. So M Mel Gibson's son was actually our friend in college. Christian, shout out. 
Uh, and not a good friend. He was more friends with my friend Dave and Keith. But I thought that was awesome. Like you guys were talking about him and just remembering. That is he, awesome. Yeah, he would come to Boulder and visit, and he was he was a big deal on campus. That's for did you sure. Ever meet, did you ever meet Mel? No, uh, he stayed at our hotel, Boulderado. Ask Mike. I know I was never there when he stayed, but he did stay at the Boulderado while Mike was staying there. Who's been a guest commentator on this podcast? That is true. Passion of the Christ was 2004, boys, for those listening. Yeah. And he did Hacksaw Ridge, you guys. That movie was awesome. That movie's and, good. And yeah. he announced that he's going to be remaking The Wild Bunch, which is supposed to come out next year. But, yeah. Favorite scene, Nico? Ooh. I like the scene where they're shooting. Um, <clears throat> and they're comparing. Ah, is that your favorite scene? It's in my notes as one of them. I, you know, I always have yeah. backups, but I'm glad you talked about it. It's so great. It is great. It's, where you, it's, that, it's just another reminder of how much you love Martin Riggs. Yeah, I mean, it's not just because he outshoots him. It's because they're actually building a friendship. And yeah, actually no, but it's, together. it's how and This is essential to Buddy, yeah, to Buddy Cop. When he's scenes. sitting there just holding the button down and whistling, like, look how far I'm going. Right, yeah. <laughs> I'm just sitting there laughing, man. Just laughing yeah. with Mel. Martin and That's I, we're well on the same page. Oh, my mom, and, my mom laughed so hard at that damn scene. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. He paints a wow. smile on that target. Murtaugh puts it out about eight feet. Riggs goes about 75 yeah, <laughs> eight feet. Get out of here. Um, that, but, that scene made me want to go to the shooting range. I'm not yeah. gonna, and I don't go to shooting range. They, I don't they a lot of the, any of that. A lot of a lot of the drama in that scene too. It wasn't just about being buddy cops. It was like them working together. It was them bonding and starting to trust each other. And I really thought it was cool. But I also like. I'm gonna shoot two scenes here. I like the scene where he almost shoots himself in the beginning at, when he's on his couch watching TV. I mean, he sold that well. I That's, can't believe you. What? Did I just steal both your best scenes? I have a third, and I'm going to go next, <laughs> just so Jeff doesn't take that one. So I'm going next. But, well, but I'll, let, I'll let you tell why you love that scene, and I'll add on to it, because it's, it's a great scene. So okay, so the scene where he puts the gun in his mouth, and he, he we realize he misses his wife. That's where we're first, I mean, we're kind of, well, I don't know, the cop, the detective, we, uh, I can't remember. No, yeah, we, we get wind of it before, but we see it from his angle at that point. It, but there's a quote in there that he says... I'll see you later. But then he also says, see you much later. Which is a little Easter egg to tell you that he's really not suicidal, but he is crazy. Even though he says he's not crazy. <laughs> but, and, and, I, yeah, I love that. I, I love that moment too. But I'm going to let you add on to it before I... I. I just think it was great acting as far as depth and emotion and he carried it well i don't think a lot of actors could have pulled that that's off. what i mean that goes back to when i said what worked it's part of how mel gibson is just so amazing in this movie. and it was so important for the rest of the movie too because every scene he was in we knew that he was fearless and that kind of was cool because gary Busey was fearless too and it was like for sure whole back and forth of like who's more fearless who's absolutely. crazy absolutely right? like absolutely and what puts this movie different from the sequels we get all those layers and depth to Mel Gibson where the sequels were mainly cash cows and cash grabs. And, and, and I guess now's the time as good as any to jump into why I think that that might be. So Shane Black, our writer, the, the writer for this. Uh-huh. Did you know he originally wanted to kill Martin Riggs in the first movie? No. I okay. think good. So I, he I, did. I know Jeff did because Jeff and I found this out in film school from our teacher. And the producers made Shane Black rewrite it so so Mel doesn't die, which was a good move in my opinion. <laughs> that first was strip a, was much darker too. Yeah, it was, it was not an originally comedic, a way darker dark. strip. Richard Donner put a lot of work in with Shane Black, 
And for those of you listening, uh, Shane Black is one of the one of the mercenaries on in in the helicopter on Predator with Schwarzenegger. He's one of the guys on the mission. But uh, anywho, he he gets so pissed that they they make him rewrite it with with Gibson being alive. So they're having troubles with the sequel. They end up going back to him, and he's like, "No, I'm not doing it. Screw you guys." <laughs> <laughs> Always ego in Hollywood, and they huh? and they give him the they give him the you know they give him the Godfather proposal, right? They give him so much money that he's like, all right, whatever, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Writers don't get paid that much, so it must have been enough, right? And so he, what does he do? He kills Martin Riggs again in the sequel, <laughs> and, and they and they, they make him change it again. He swears to never work on it. He doesn't work on it either three or four. But he was done with it after that. But yes, Lethal Weapon 1 is way darker than all the other movies. And even though, and it was supposed to be even darker, like Jeff said. And it's good that they added the humor, because the humor is pretty that's much what makes, all That's what sequel. drives this film. That's Absolutely. What, I, I feel like that's what drives... Can I, but I just like I, the layers of Gibson's character. Can I go it off makes, script here a little bit and ask you guys yeah. a question? Yeah. Um, now that we're like kind of on this subject. Do you think one of the reasons that like we really enjoyed this watch or this rewatch so much... Is the time? I mean, I, we've always liked it, I know, but like the time that we are in our lives. Because I was thinking about this a lot since I watched it this movie this weekend, and this is very much a midlife crisis movie, and it's very much a movie about one of the. We got one of our characters who is like suicidal or maybe suicidal, and kind of lost in everything, and it's like a little crazy. And then we have the other. They have the other character um, just turning fifty, who's kind of like. Um, feel like based definitely going through a midlife crisis is not excited about anything kind of a family man but he's a cop and like and these two characters kind of save each other yeah and they're kind of giving what the other one needs yeah yeah, i wondered if the point that we are in our life if it resonated even more than it did when we were kids i don't know it's a thought i had so you're Um, saying we can relate to them being older cops now because we're old well no, not, not old, but no, but just like, no, but like that in that weird like midlife section, that transition of life. The sa- salad days behind us. Well, I but think. Still looking for excitement. I don't know. I think we definitely appreciate those elements of the this movie this time around where we wouldn't have cared about any of that as a kid. I think. And the reason some, I think, the yeah. reason I think we remember the sequels so much is because they're just so much more lighthearted and funnier, I guess. But yeah. the, but this really first one, it, this first one, it's just it goes dark places. And if you in knowing that Shane Black wanted Mel Gibson's character to die, and he never intended for this to be a franchise or sequels, it all makes sense why this movie has those layers and this depth, and we get the ending that we do. Okay, forget the forget the sequels because we love them so much, and we're glad they happened. Is this a better movie if he does die at the end? No, I don't think so. Because I like his character too much. I don't want. I don't want that pain. And I like the Christmas ending okay. because it makes. It I like a Christmas the Christmas movie. ending too. Yeah, I, so, I do as well. I'm just asking. I had to ask. No, no, a question. no. I think no. It was a good question. Part of, good... part of the reason, like I, I, I never even considered it was like no. I'm glad that didn't happen because I love the sequels. But if I took that off the table, I could see it working if he dies. But I still, I love that ending where he comes in for Christmas dinner. I think that's great. Yeah. So no, yeah, I'm with you. All right, my favorite scene. Are we on my favorite scene? Can I go? I'm gonna let you have it, taking a chance that it's not the third one I have because I still haven't officially gone. But go. Uh, is yours the jumper scene? Holy shit! <laughs> ah, we can share it. 
Holy you can share it. shit. No, go ahead. Take the jumper scene because mine's a combination of the jumper scene and the scene after it. So I want to talk about the scene after. Perfect. Okay. Now, jump. I just... Uh, awesome scene. Uh, I just love... You You just really get into Riggs's character there. You're like, okay, this guy is crazy. Uh, I mean, you have the... You're like, okay, what the fuck are they doing when he jump, when he cuffs them and he jumps? Oh, yeah. So this is your first time thing. watching. So you didn't know yeah. this was going to happen. No. So yeah, you're t- you're watching it from this lens. I wasn't. That's not even why I necessarily. But I. Well, I, I actually. I, I just thought did. that was hilarious and awesome, and I just thought it was a great scene. It showed two things: it showed you kind of who Riggs was, for sure, and it also shows you what kind of movie this is. Like it I very much. That is a like. I think there's a no movie yet. in a microcosm. I would Go ahead, Mark. And the scene is really the the really the. The silver lining of what makes that scene so classic and great for me is the fact that they never reveal that that giant freaking air glow is even there. <laughs> well, and you got no. And, so the first and Glover's, time you do Glover's see character it, you're is like, watching oh, and going, "Oh shit!" I oh, yeah, yeah. like it's just like his reactions oh, yeah, yeah. are so perfect in that. So scene. you know, the sequel pays homage to that when they end up having to jump out the window and try to land into a hotel pool. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I don't know. And I didn't. Guys... I never knew that was an homage because I yeah. hadn't seen. Yeah, All right. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so, so I love the scene that f- follows that up when Roger basically grabs Riggs by his throat almost and needs to pull him aside. And what's cool is he doesn't yell at him in front of the media and all these this all this circus going around. He finds a building. And I love the moment where he swings the door shut and it goes all the way through and opens back up. That's a nice little moment right there. But I I just love where he just rips him a new one and we get Riggs telling him, uh, you know, th- who, that he's, you know, Roger tells him he's really crazy and it ends up Riggs just going off and why he tells him about the bullet and pulls out the hollow point and shows him that and tells him. And then he just ends the scene with, I'm hungry. I'm going to go get something to eat. And I just love how it ends. I love everything about that scene. It's the, it's, it's just, once again, another layer, you guys. And the sequels, the sequels are just, those two just doing a case. And they throw Joe Pesci into the second one, and he carries it. Makes Leo it gets. He, he does. And they, and they throw Jet Li in as the bad guy. In the I was surprised one, to not which, see Joe Pesci in this one. I was like, makes, oh, he yeah. was never in before. That, which makes it, Funny you yeah. say that. Yeah. But I don't... I, yeah, I love this movie. And I love it more than the sequels. As a kid, I love the sequels more. As an adult, I love this movie more. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. How yeah. long did the franchise span out for? I mean, this was in 97. What did they finish by 94? This was 87. 87, you meant. But, um, yeah, the, the four... Four is in, part... like, the 2000s or the late 90s. No, no. No, no, no. no. The 90s, I think. But let me check since, you know, that's the world we live in and we can check that thing. 1998. Come on, Jeff. I said late 90s. 90. I said early 2000s or late 90s. Actually, I'm going to give Jeff. He did say late 90s. I thought it was early 90s. 1998 late 90s. 98 to 87. So they went back to that well. Oh, God, I wonder how much Mel Gibson and Danny Glover got paid for Lethal Weapon 4. Probably a they, they aged a lot in this, too. You can see by the fourth one, the photos I'm looking at right now. You can oh, tell, yeah. like, Riggs looks like a stellar young guy in the first one, and you can tell he's coming along well, you know, in, by the fourth one. Oh, for you know sure. he's You know he's, like, barely 40 playing a 50-year-old in this, like... Oh, Danny and, Glover? Yeah. Which would he's make like, sense why he's all yoked in the beginning scene in the bathtub. 
He's, so all, he's almost got like a six pack in that scene. I was like, whoa, look at Danny Glover and Lethal Weapon. He's Mr. Fit. And I also thought that scene was a little weird. Uh, what you bring the you bring a birthday cake into dad naked that was that was my wife's first comment like what is going on (laughs) what is going on right now (laughs) it was definitely her comment but hey you know to each their own maybe that was the murtaugh's birthday celebration i know people Uh, that wake others up with cupcakes in the morning so hey uh we on to quotes now that's a real badge i'm a real cop and this is a real fucking gun yeah, quotes. Jump in. I'm I'm going first since you guys have stole all my scenes. <laughs> Obviously, we've got the classic quote that Jeff mentioned in the tagline. In case those of you didn't catch that, that Murtaugh says in every one of these movies multiple times, "I'm too old for this shit." But uh, I have that Riggs quote in the scene that I just mentioned, and what he truly says about that bullet. He says, well, what do you want to hear, man? Do you want to hear that sometimes I think about eating a bullet, huh? Well, I do. I even got a special bullet for the occasion with a hollow point. Look, make sure it blows the back of my goddamn head out and do the job right. Every single day I wake up and I think of a reason not to do it. Every single day. You know why I don't do it? This is going to make you laugh. You know why I don't do it? The job. Doing the job. Now that's the reason. And it just speaks to who he is. It's, it's his coat. That's his coat. And at the end of the day, that's his moral coat. And he's got nothing to lose because his wife got killed in a car accident. So, yeah. So that, that's my favorite quote. I have others written down, but go ahead. Jeff, quote. Have you ever met anybody you didn't kill? <laughs> well... I haven't killed you yet. <laughs> That's what I got. What do you got, Nick? I got from my uh, shooting range scene when they're talking about how thin their prediction is, and they're like, "Thin's my middle name." And Rig says, "For the way your wife cooks, I can see why." Uh, I actually, I really enjoyed the subplot about his wife being a bad cook. I. <laughs> <laughs> don't know if that's even aged well but i think it's hilarious there, yeah was, there was some interesting things in regards to aging or not aging well uh the other thing i had was you're not trying to draw a psycho pension you really are crazy yeah, that's good yeah for sure and i love let's not forget how much of a badass mel gibson is martin riggs is in this in the, you know roger's just a detective Riggs is like an assassin, you know? Yeah. He's like a trained military op. And yeah. he's the lethal weapon. Yeah, exactly. I, yeah, he is the lethal weapon. I always and wondered why it we was get called that lethal weapon. Push. Did you catch the I never push knew where... that until watching this this this. And did you the first catch one. that Glover calls him a lethal weapon early in the film? Yeah. He goes, know, like that... some sort of lethal weapon. When he mentions his martial arts skills. <laughs> so growing up, having seen all of these films but this one, I actually was always wondering why the fuck was this movie called Lethal Weapon? And now you and know this mo- like the first one answered the damn question for me yeah for yeah. sure that's so funny i think that gets overlooked too because i've seen this movie several times and i never knew that until this rewatch it does get overlooked and it gets overlooked because the damn sequels are kind of hokey and just funny and you know i don't well, think they, don't they take themselves seriously like the first one does they don't play it out well i don't even remember 
Like, by the fourth one, I think they forget that he knows martial arts. <laughs> I think he's, like, just regular punching people, which I was thinking was kind of weird. I was like, oh, he must have just not been training for a while or what? I'm not sure that this was the only one. This might be the only one where he uses martial arts. I, but going back to his skills, I love that quote when he says, When I was 19, I did a guy in Laos from a thousand yards out. It was a rifle shot in high wind. Maybe eight or even ten guys in the world could have made that shot. It's the only thing I was ever good at. Well, see you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> and and what's great about that moment? He says, "When I was nineteen, when I was yeah. that's the like, that's the that's the like that's the hidden message within that quote. When I was nineteen, I was one of ten people in the world that could do that." <laughs> There's a whole thing online talking about how this is the first one, not the sequels, of course, but like how this is actually a mo- very much a Vietnam movie, and a lot of the movie was about. It, it's about Riggs. It's about Riggs getting over the trauma that was Vietnam, and the villains in this movie were, you know, the other side of that. Or like, but still, um, even the, I mean, the the guy the whole storyline starts with that was like selling the drugs or whatever from it. A lot, a lot of this movie was just the trauma that all of the veterans brought with them, and we're still dealing with even in 1987. Yeah, I would. Yeah, it was, it was kind of a carryover of, of like trauma from Vietnam War vets. You're right. That's exactly what I was thinking when I was watching that, too. It's what, very ingrained in the plot. We ready for what didn't work? Bell! 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 I don't have much. Go for it. Wait. Yeah, I just have in my notes for what didn't work. I felt like there was a couple of scenes that might have had a little too much exposition like the scene where he's trying to very 80s thing yeah i know exactly exactly it was nitpicky and i think no i agree but i agree that stood the scene that i remember standing out in this as a scenario is when he's talking to the bank guy at his you know giant house on the water and just when you think you're like, okay, this is getting boring, and then all of a sudden Gary Busey shows up in a helicopter and starts shooting. No, it wasn't Gary Busey. It was like so you, another one of those. No, scenes. no, it's Gary Busey, and that's. I've got a question about that, Mark, because that's a good point. So, do you think like Gary Busey's the, the one in the helicopter we... shooting, Nico? Yeah, he is. Gary Busey's the one in the helicopter shooting. He's Joshua. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's I, Joshua. Yeah, I didn't so know. do do we think like do you think Mark that the reason. In like nowadays that we don't need those everything explained to us like it felt like we all they did in like the 80s all the time is we all grew up watching so many movies that we can kind of put the context in ourselves but it was an audience that it but it was an audience that had seen less movies at that point and like i don't know i'm wondering i because when you watch old movies they literally explain fucking everything to you and like nowadays they kind of let you just fill in the blanks yourself. You're right. You're right. But let's take this movie for example. We know the banker is shady with the way Mel Gibson is pacing back and forth in the bank. We kind of just yep. know there's something off about this guy, right? Right. So knowing that, we don't need this whole scene. And Agreed. I think we put that together in the 80s. I don't think it would just we put it together now. I think maybe they only put it in there saying, hey, look, the smart people are going to know this is my pee break. But it feels like they always it feels like they always did that in the eighties though. I agree. I think it was built in bathroom breaks for smart film goers. There, there you go. And that's my defense <laughs> for too much exposition. I'm being nice right. tonight, guys. I'm being. What nice. I, I do have one thing that didn't work for me. I'm going to get killed by both of you on this, but I've got to <laughs> be honest. Those villains were fucking lame. The Joshua villains. is I, no I, Hans. 
Joshua is no Hans oh, Gruber. Get out of here. It is fucking terrible. I oh was, my god. The entire okay, movie so I was just like, he's Gary Busey in this movie? Terrible. No, he's fine. It's just, I think he's funny because he's Gary. And it, first of all, Mark, I gotta, I gotta say something right here. I never hate Gary Busey. <laughs> yeah. He can not. be as over the top and stupid as he wants to be yeah. any fucking time. But at the same time, he is over the top and stupid in this film. I just, and it definitely, it really resonated with me when Nick, when Nico came out with his, this movie's better than Die Hard. And I'm like, not, not even close. Die Hard was one of the greatest villains of all time. And the villains in this movie are so bad. So the general? It's very, very 1980s villains. Like, oh, yeah. cut this. I mean, that's not even true. I'm just the general? I'm fucking so the offended. general's bad. We are not cutting this. The general's bad, but no joke. I, I, I have to respectfully disagree with Mr. Joshua. I love everything about Mr. Joshua. He's in my midnight ponderings. He kept me up late at night, and I have to just jump over to the pondering because... I literally said, "Is Gary Busey a forgotten villain?" And in your mind, obviously, clearly not. You're, you're Gary Busey. You could care less about him in this movie. I, no, but I'm glad he was I, in. He, dude, you know how bad that villain would have been if it was played by anybody else. Yeah, Gary, you, Gary so Busey makes why, that okay. thing. Gary Bill, <laughs> Gary Busey makes a poorly written villain, uh, workable. Like For sure. Gary, okay, Gary Busey all right, all right. saves Joshua. You guys are carrying on. I. I I disagree, but I, I, you got your thing, you know. Like, how do you, you're you're praising Gary Busey, but then you're saying they're all bad. So I'm, I'm well, no, I'm saying he saved Gary Busey. Saved he doesn't like very, the writing of the character. He saved a he very says, poorly Gary written character. The only good thing about Joshua, which I guess I'm okay with, but but Gary Busey makes it great. So that's why he was a forgotten villain for me. That's what I st- he stood out on the rewatch to me. I love him oh, as a villain. I was and, just like, this movie would be good with some good villains. But you are right. He's no Hans Gruber, but that, yeah, it's for another day. <laughs> nobody, nobody is. Exactly. Nobody is. Exactly. Yeah, I just had in my notes, in my midnight ponderings, I literally you know, was up probably a little, about 12, 15 probably, and, and I said to myself, I don't know if I give Gary Busey enough credit over the years for this role. We're all going to have the same medals. You know that, right? <laughs> Maybe. We're going into It's Career Corner. And, we're, and I'd rather... Spend career corner. I wouldn't rather, but I would spend career corner talking about Gary Busey any week. But I think we're going to talk a little Richard Donner this week. Yeah, I think so. And we already talked a lot about Mel Gibson, so we're giving some love to some different people today. And kudos to Richard Donner because he turned eight. He turned ninety-one in April. You guys, how about Richard Donner? Kudos to you, buddy, making it through the pandemic. What else did he do besides a lethal weapon? Well, let's stop. Hold on. Let's jump. Feels like a forgotten director to me because he's done some good stuff. Well, he does. Go but, ahead. But, so he gets his start working on TV for almost two decades before he did a couple of really huge movies in the 70s, the later 70s. He directed The Omen and Superman, back to back in the late 70s. He shot Superman and Superman 2 simultaneously, but he had to cut back on part two to finish part one for a Christmas release. This subsequently gets him fired by the producers for part two. He sees the released film... Over 50% of the movie is his work. He goes into litigation, suing the producers, ends up, you know, in, in the courts dealing with legal issues on Superman 2 for years, a couple of years, multiple years. He missed out on doing some in films. In 2006, he gets credit. Yeah, he, yeah, there's a Superman Richard Donner cut that came out in the early 2000s, for sure. So, and I just, I'm going to give Jeff the, the lead here. I know he has some more notes, but I, I, I just, real I'll quick, going. on Mel Gibson, he has this beautiful quote that I found. He said, the most exciting thing that comes into my life as an actor and a friend was Mel Gibson. He's a very special human being. 
Mel Gibson is God's gift to a director, but he tells the worst jokes in the world. <laughs> and then he also, I also had this other quote I found from Richard Donner that said, I have a bust of Abraham Lincoln in my office, and it's not because of the greatness he did for our country, but it's because that whenever I look at it, I have to remember an actor killed him. <laughs> And I just thought that's great. That's awesome. Like, what dark humor from a director? Well, oh, Abe Lincoln's one of your uh, one of your idols. Well, not really, but the reason it's there is to remind myself that don't ruin my don't get my career ruined by an actor. <laughs> so that's fucking awesome. Isn't that great? I had to put it oh. in my notes. I was like, this is unbelievable. I love it. Well, so, so do I. So do I. What else you got on Richard? Not a whole lot. I, just, I I had a little fun just diving into his filmography. Yeah, um, he, well, he did the I Goonies, the one of my favorites. Does the Goonies, which is great. Does Ladyhawk, which is actually a pretty cool movie. That's Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that movie from a kid, as a kid, Le- vaguely. I've never seen it as an adult. I have not seen it as an adult either. Obviously, Lethal Weapon, this movie, and the sequel. Actually, all the sequels. Yeah, all of them. He does Scrooged, which I didn't realize that was him that did Scrooged. Um, Maverick, which is not a bad film. Morgan yeah, he, he, I mean, clearly he's obviously in, in love with Conspiracy theory, Gibson. him and Mel Gibson have done their thing. Um, and that's about it, but quite not a bad career. It felt like an underrated, forgotten career that I didn't realize uh, he was part of. And I just yeah, wanted I mean, to give him, he, I just wanted to give him some love. With, he didn't have anything to do with the Omen sequels. Uh, but the Omen's a classic horror. Film. You know, it's it's one of the, you know classic scary movie from the seventies. Uh, he did Radio Flyer. If you remember that movie when you were a kid, God, that was depressing. Yeah, it, yeah. it was a depressing movie. But all his yeah. movies are good. He doesn't have that many. But here, here's the thing: there's not really a bad film in there. I don't feel like when looking at his filmography, I don't see Assassins, and I don't actually never seen Assassins. Assassins was with Stallone and Banderas. <laughs> oh. Now it's I kind of like want to a, see it. It's like it might a, be it's a bad movie. But 16 I, Blocks. I, think, I want to say that's Samuel Jackson. I've the, never seen it, but... New York uh, movie? Subway movie? How about maybe? Danny Glover? Do you guys think of Danny Glover? Do you remember when <laughs> me and you... I always think of me and you meeting him at Cinevegas, Mark. We met him at Cinevegas? Did he, he did. not shake your hand, Jeff? Oh my god, he, how intoxicated were we? Well, no, no, no. He just that. he didn't acknowledge us hardly at all. <laughs> Jeff we gets both, ignored by Jeff got ignored by everybody that came to Cinevegas. We got shunned shook our, by Danny Glover. We, well, he shook both. No, to his credit, he shook both of our hands, but didn't even make eye contact. It was a like it was a kept moving along. Uh, but I, I thought you would remember that it was me, you, and Dave. <laughs> Holy cow, that's funny. He's in what, what else has he done? Predator Two. That happened yearly. He was, you, Jeff. He was remember also, that movie Pure was also in Maverick. Short. Oh yeah, I do remember that. He was, was he in Operation Dumbo Drop too? I'm making this up, but I remember he was in something. Oh, like he's that. in Angels in the Outfield, and no, you're oh, not yeah. making things up. He was in Operation Dumbo See, Drop. See, that's, my that's straight off the cuff, baby. I didn't even look. 1995. He's even. Um, wait a minute. He's done a Saw movie. He's, well, he's also got an yes. uncredited role as a police officer in Harriet the Spy. He's all over the place, boys. He, he Dude, this guy has like. I he's got even... some voice work and ants. He this doesn't see. Like he's never seen a credits. paycheck he didn't want. Oh my god! <laughs> All right, we got to get out of the career corner. And Danny Glover is going to take us a year sometime. All right, let's get to metal podium. Metals, baby! Holy cow! We, Where are we uh, at? You want to start? Want me to go? Well, yeah. So, like I said, the villains were lame. So, Gary Busey saved his villain, but he does not get a medal. Um, 
Richard Donner gets the bronze. This is this is a well well crafted film, and I've got to give some director love. It's it's easy. I've seen buddy copy cop movies done poorly before. And which one, tell me real quick which ones uh, which are the poorly done ones. Forty eight hours is not a good rewatch. I just saw it recently. I like forty eight hours, but any really? of the new that was the original Gangster eighty two yeah. that came out. Any of the new stuff like. Hobbs and Cobbs or whatever the hell that thing is called or Hobbs and Shaw I don't the, know the Hitman's Wife any of that shit Hitman's yeah. Bodyguard shit's Hitman's all terrible uh, but Richard Donner 21 Jump Street was the last good one I remember does it yeah. 21 Jump Street was good Richard Donner Jump Street was better yeah does no no right. I meant just that franchise he does it right and he gets the bronze Danny Glover gets the silver Danny Glover Glover is the perfect foil to Mel Gibson's regs uh, uh, Mel Gibson though gets the gold. He, you said it best, Mark. He steals every scene he's in. Riggs is the heart and soul of this movie. Uh, I even enjoyed the bad martial arts at the end, and it was pretty bad martial arts. I should have put that in what didn't work either, uh, but I, I loved that scene. So regardless, Mel Gibson gets the gold. He steals this damn movie. It's his stamp all over it. He goes, Mark, go. Honorable mention goes to Shane Black, the writer. I, I love the script. I know Richard Donner helped a lot on it, so we'll get to him in a second. My bronze medal goes to Danny Glover. I had to put him on the podium, obviously. As much as I want to give Gary Busey some love, there's no love to be given on this podium for you tonight, Busey. Thank God! And my silver medal goes to one Richard Donner. I think this is... Uh, he owes his whole career probably or at least he owes his whole bank account to this franchise i would imagine and he, quite successfully so he did this great so he did a great job with this movie so kudos to him and uh gold goes to mel gibson of course no brainer i feel like hopefully nick didn't throw a curveball knowing that i just said that but he owns the movie he's amazing i i just god it was such a it was a fun treat fun treat yeah and i'm gonna go donner glover Gibson as well, same as same as Jeff, and I, for all the reasons you guys said, it's just a well-crafted movie, and none of it's possible at all. I almost feel Donner deserves the silver, but I, I agree that these two are so good together that they have to go one right after the other. Yeah, I, I was. I just feel the same. Back Nick, and you forth. put it better than me. I feel the exact same way as what you just said. I'm with you guys, but it, I, honestly, I had Busey on there originally, and then I was like, I'm gonna get a lot of heat if I don't give Danny Glover a medal. So. <laughs> I, I agree. It was the right decision. I, he wasn't even in text. It was a decision I made long before we got on to record. So yeah, uh, but I did give Richard Donner the the credit because he helped write it too. So that's fair. I'm glad you did. So um, it's that time for ponderings, but I've already pondered tonight. So I don't know how many we have left. <laughs> Both. I've, I did a few ponderings too, but I have a few more as oh, always. Oh, good. Jump right in because I'm. Uh, so once the, when they capture the cops. And the cops know where the drug drop is. Why do they torture them and not just kill them? Yeah, because they want to know if they know information on the drop. Yeah, they want to know if they know... They can't just and... change the location of the damn drop. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, they, that was my next They didn't pondering. have as much technology. This is 35 years ago. They didn't have as much technology. Oh, not, everybody, text, not everybody had cell phones here. They text message somebody. Yeah. They did in this film. <laughs> did you actually see that this is the no. first... This is, I'm just, you threw that out there, so I thought it was a good time for a little bit of trivia. This is the first movie to show a modern cell phone. No way. It was the portable is this, is this Radio official? Shack Model 17 1003. 
Launch yeah, the Circa General has 1986. It. Wow, that's the good gen- stuff. It, it's spotted uh, so, after after. Uh, wait, the, there is the, no excuse. He could have used his damn 1986 wait, cell phone. Wait, Mark, what's what's what cell phone? What, what scene was it? It's when the general gets a phone call from Busey in the helicopter saying, we've got another issue. All right. And that's when the cops are revealed. And the, the cops know something, and which leads to why they get captured and all of that. Right. Any uh, other ponderings? That's all I got. Yeah, I don't have any ponderings. Anything we missed, Nico? A few things. So the stuntman was killed on a motorcycle accident right after this principal photography was finished, and they dedicated the movie to him. Donner did. I thought that was kind of cool. That is cool. Uh, uh, I have the the stuff you mentioned about Die Hard. I had, but I also had that. Uh, this is actually good. I don't want to mess this up. Uh, basically, Huntsucker referenced that he was in Air America in the scene right before he died, and Mel Gibson later starred in Air America. But then later, earlier in the film, Huntsucker referenced that he was part of the Vietnam Brigade that he that Mel Gibson also played, and we we are soldiers. So mm-hmm. I thought it was an interesting connection there, too. Oh, and, the We Were Soldiers movie? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. That so is interesting. His career is tied to this in several ways, coincidentally. Uh, I, I also have that Gary Busey credits this movie with the ri- revival of his career. And I thought that was super cool, because you guys gave him so much love, even though you gave so much hate to the writing of the villain. I thought that this was a good... This and Entourage were the key... Honestly, I only think of Gary Busey with three things. This, Entourage, and Point Break. <laughs> Oh my god, it's I love him in Point Break. Utah, uh, give me two. Give yeah, me two, Utah. That's Get a famous line. I have no idea how that ever became a famous line, but that's what I got. <laughs> Anything else, Jeff? Or you want to jump into final thoughts? That's all I had. Uh, final thoughts, Nico. I think that I'm, movies like this are such a fun rewatch, and it reminds me of my childhood, and it makes me glad that I was born when I was born. You guys talked a lot about how the grades are going to get lost because nobody watches TV anymore. And like, this just takes me back, and it's it's so good. And again, this is so fun with what we do. Like I enjoyed every minute of this rewatch, and I hope I hope there is future buddy cop movies. There was this movie that came out a few years ago that said we were they they were faking being cops. Do you remember which one it's called? I think it's called We Are Cops or something. It was, they're just pretending to be, and it, it kind of succeeded, but. They just know. don't make them like this one anymore. And you guys saw Hot Fuzz, right? You guys remember Hot Fuzz? No, uh, I can. I I hope they can reinvent this okay. franchise. Your favorite so, franchise. So, have you seen Hot Fuzz? No, Jeff. Not no. Okay, so both of you have a homework assignment that you can get done whenever. But if you're, it's from the same guys that made Shaun of the Dead, and they have a third one, uh, The World's End. Where and but this is the middle one, Hot Fuzz. It's a must-watch. It, it's all about Buddy Cop. It plays tribute to every Buddy Cop movie. While sort of taking itself seriously. Is it kind of like a scary movie for Buddy Cop movies? Kind of, but it's more serious. <laughs> it's not, like, stupid. Really? Oh, it's the movie's, great. The Did you, Jeff, have you seen Shaun of the Dead? The, the scary, you know, the I zombie not, movie? I have not seen Shaun of the Dead. Oh my god, you just have a doubles feature. Guys, the director's name is Edgar Wright. Uh, he's the same guy that made Scott Pilgrim, but that's unrelated to these yeah. movies. But, so, 2014, Let's Be Cops. It was the last buddy cop movie I can remember. They need to revive your favorite genre. And and one I, and of I my favorite genres. One of my favorite genres. Okay, top I don't want three. people thinking I'm a sheriff out here. <laughs> <year anything>. <laughs> <laughs> when, was last, when was the last Rush Hour made? Oh, God, I don't even know. No, I, I remember this. We were in Vegas. They were filming oh, yeah, Rush Hour right. 2. 
That's you right. guys are so excited. Two? There's been three or four. No, there? I remember, Mark, you would give me folklore that Chris Tucker was running all over town tipping waiters $400 for a dinner. This is Because he was getting $20 million for that film. So it was 2001. Okay. 2001. That had to have been Rush Hour 2 probably then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. That's good stuff. I forgot about that as a buddy cop movie. And it is a good buddy cop movie. The first one especially. Mm-hmm. Uh, final thoughts, Jeff? Yeah. The, they don't make them like this anymore. Even when they do, like, I think one of the problems, and it just, I mean, modern audiences expect, mod, like, modern things, but, like, the action in this film, while over the top, and over the top for the time, is still in, like, a believable range. If, I mean, this movie is made today, there'd be, they'd destroy four highways in some car chase. And, like, every, like, <laughs> as... On unrealistic a on a computer some, on, exactly as unrealistic <laughs> as some of the action is in this film it still is in a world of believability and i think that's what movies are missing nowadays because it's st- like it's just it's the right amount of over the top and it was just yeah, really yeah, yeah. fun to visit these two characters and it was fun for me to see how they met each other because i lived in a world where they always were partners and knew each other i never knew their origin story until recently and that's a great moment in the in the you know where they confront each other in the car (laughs) i'm driving (laughs) everybody everybody that drives in this city is insane (laughs) so my final thoughts just to wrap things up for us once again i just had you know mel gibson just reminded me how much i love movies (laughs) and how much i like his movies he just steals every scene but all of that being said, Danny Glover is definitely the yin to his yang. And this is a classic film from my childhood, and I'm so glad we got a chance to revisit it and spend some time giving it its due justice. But on behalf of Jeff, Nick, and myself, thanks again, everybody, for listening to another episode of Movie Tales. We will be back soon. We just wanted to dedicate this episode to Richard Donner, who passed away just recently, last month, June of 2021, and we recorded this before his passing, so hopefully his family listens to this someday.